God is good. Like, this morning has already been so powerful, just, like, in worship and just in this time. Like, I feel like it's actually funny, I'll have to admit this. Um, we were practicing worship this morning, and right at the end, my sister Brittany, who's next to me, she was sharing. She was like, she just started singing the, the last song. And we, I'm like, I haven't heard that song in forever. And then little, when, in the midst of worship, I was like, oh, my goodness, that just really goes right in line of what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm, like, really excited because I feel like God's just orchestrating today. And just there's just a theme of just the greatness of God and what he wants to do in us. And so um, I actually do have a video for us to share just kind of to open it up before we start. So if the team in the back is ready, we'll go for it. If you could go back to the city of Jerusalem during Bible times, the biggest thing you'd see is the temple. This beautiful building was designed by King David and built by King Solomon, and they believed that it was the home of the God of the universe. Wait, I thought God's home was in heaven. Well, the whole point of this earthly temple is that it's the place that overlaps with God's heavenly home. The temple is where God lives and rules all creation as king. That's cool. but. Even Solomon, who built the temple, didn't believe that it could contain the God of the universe, right? Yeah, the building was just a symbol, and it pointed to the fact that all of creation is God's temple. And that's actually what the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, is all about. Really? It says that creation is God's temple? Well, it doesn't need to say it. The whole story shows it. In Genesis 1, God creates an ordered world out of a dark wasteland by speaking in a series of seven days. Then on the seventh day, God's presence fills creation as he takes up his rest and rule. Similarly, the tabernacle and later the temple were built and dedicated in a series of seven speeches and seven days, after which the priest or king could rest and rule in God's presence. Ah, so all of creation is where God intends to dwell. It's like his temple. Exactly. Now, turn the page to Genesis 2 and we get another portrait of creation. This one focuses in on the land. And in the center of the land is a region called Eden, which in Hebrew means delight. And in the middle of delight, God plants a garden in which God and humanity live together. And that's why the temple was modeled after the garden, filled with imagery of gold and flowers. The menorah symbolized the tree of life. It's the place where God dwells with his people. Oh, got it. And check this out. In the temple, the Israelite priests and Levites were to work and to keep the temple in God's presence. This is exactly the job description given to humanity in the Garden of Eden. So these humans were the first priests. But instead of ruling with God, they wanted to rule on their own terms, and they're exiled from the Garden Temple. And like Adam and Eve, Israel's leaders also wanted to rule on their own terms, and they too were exiled. The temple was destroyed, and this left them wondering, did God give up on Israel? Will God bring about a new creation? Well, the biblical prophets anticipated the day when God would create a new temple with a new priesthood. That's when God's presence would fill all of creation. And when the Israelites returned to the land, they did rebuild the temple. But that temple didn't turn out the way the prophets hoped. In fact, later Israelite prophets said that this temple was hopelessly corrupt. So they're still waiting for the ultimate temple. 
And here we come to the story of Jesus. He said that through him, God's presence and rule was coming into our world in a new way. And he presented himself as a new kind of priest. But Jesus wasn't a priest, and he didn't work in the temple. Right. Jesus said that God's presence, his rest and rule, was filling the world through his own life, death, and resurrection. Jesus was claiming that he was the true temple, and this new temple would expand out to include all of creation. That's a really big claim. And it got even bigger. After his resurrection, Jesus said that God's presence would come to dwell in and among his followers so that they would become mini temples. Communities of people where God rests and rules. Exactly. This is the Bible's vision of the church, which is described as a temple. Not a building, but people. Yeah, like when Peter says, you all are living stones built up as a temple for God's spirit to dwell. So at the end of the story, do we ever get a new physical temple? Well, not exactly. What we see is a renewed cosmic temple, just like Genesis 1. And this new creation doesn't need a temple building because through Jesus, all creation is now the place where God rests and rules the world with his people. Amen. Isn't that cool? I was, as I was kind of, um, as I was preparing for today, yeah, let there be light. Um, man, so, but I was, I was preparing for today. The Lord was speaking to me about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I came across that, and I was like, oh, that's such a cool way to display kind of history. And even from the beginning, like, even as it was going back into the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, God always wanted a place to dwell and a place to dwell with his with his creation, with man, um, man, yeah, and so I just, really quick, I just want to pray just before jumping into this, but yeah, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for today, Lord, I thank you for what you're wanting to say and what you're wanting to, to speak, and I just pray, Lord, that your heart would be shown, Lord, we'd even just get a greater depth of your love and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, something kind of interesting, I think that was, that video pointed out really well, was talking about like the history of just, I, I didn't even realize at that point that even the temple that was built back in Israel, like it was, it was built, and even like the Garden of Eden, like the, 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 like the menorah even represents like the tree of life, and just like the original intent of God was to come and dwell with us. You know, how many know us as man, we, we, we let sin in, and then we kind of screwed things up a little bit for him. <laughs> um, just a little bit. Um, but it's really interesting looking back into history, like even looking through the Old Testament, you get to see, like, there's a lot of portion in Scripture in the de Old Testament that was just dedicated to the description of the temple, like, there's, like, it, like, almost an entire book that it's, like, dedicated to, like, the dimensions and all the details and, like, all this stuff. And one time when I was trying to read through the Bible, I got to that portion, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then you're like, wow, this is a little, like, you know, you know you're like, okay, this is, might be a little boring. But actually, it's actually really interesting when you look into it, how much detail and attention, like, God points to the temple. And... Really, a temple 
in, in that time and how we understand it is a place dedicated to the service and worship of God. It has also been always been a meeting place, a meeting place where people would come from far distances to come and worship and make sacrifices for their sins and get right with God. And I was always growing up really intrigued about, I would hear about this portion of the temple that was really interesting, and it's called the Holy of Holies. And that always really fascinated me, kind of hearing about it. It was this portion in the temple where nobody was allowed to go, that only one time a year the head priest could go after he went through this ceremonial cleansing of how like God told him of like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do to prepare yourself before coming into my presence. And then one time a year, that priest would be, able to be allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and to offer sacrifice to God. And interesting, here's some other facts. It was in um, traditional Judaism, it's regarded as the holiest place where God's presence dwells. It's in the inner sanctuary of the temple. And also it housed the Ark of the Covenant. It was the place where, and the Ark of the Covenant was um, representing of God's like presence, of God resting. And he, there's, just, there's a lot, I'm not going to go into all the details, but there's some amazing history just reading into the Old Testament, reading about the Ark of the Covenant and what God did. Um, and so, but we'll save that for another time. But another interesting fact with the veil, or with the Holy of Holies, it was separated from the other parts of the temple by a veil that was so thick. It was nine centimeters thick. It was not just one little piece of fabric. It was like a thick, thick veil that covered it. And something interesting, when, um, when back in 2018, we had a team from Champions, actually. We went to Israel. Where's my Israel team at? We got some in the house. Um, it was incredible. And one thing we got to experience, we got to go to the site of where the temple once stood. And we even at one point got this tour that's not really given to a lot of people, and not a lot of people have access to that, where we got to actually go underground and get to actually get to a point. There's a point when you, it's like this underground tunnel, it's really dark, because obviously after um, Israel's kind of built on um, things were built and then destroyed, built and then destroyed. So a lot of the things are artifacts and things that, you know, were once seen in Jesus's time and before are below the ground that they've had to excavate. And so we ended up going in this tunnel underground to go to like the base of where the foundations of the temple were. And that was crazy. So we were walking along the, um, the wall, like in this dark tunnel, um, and that you get to this point and there was the point where it was the close, it, at that point, it was the closest point that you could get to where the Holy of Holies once was. And actually, it was really beautiful. We were walking by, and there was um, two Jewish ladies that were there at the wall at that part where the Holy of Holies would have been the closest mark, and they were just there praying. And they were just, like, weeping. And you're just like, you just can't help but just be in awe, like, and be in silent, like, just walking and just like, wow, just like the stories of what I've heard um, about the temple and the Holy of Holies, and then being in that place where it's like, that's the closest point you could have been, kind of where we were at that foundation. 
And the interesting thing is, I don't know if you guys know much about, you know, Israel, but when you're there, there's one remaining wall there that is the remaining, like, kind of the, the last kind of piece of the temple that's still standing to this day. And they call it the Wailing Wall. Um, and it's, it, was, it was such an incredible experience to see that. But you see people from around the world that will come, and there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of people at the wall. And they will, like, they even bring prayers from around the world, and they will come in, and they find any crevice that they can find in the wall, and they will pray at the wall, and then they'll stick the prayer somewhere in any crevice they can find. And, like, there's people crying and wailing, and, like, um, they actually have to separate the uh, section from the men and the women. So us women, we got to go and go up to the wall, and then the men had their side where they would go. Um, But it was, like, such a really interesting experience for me. Um, When I was after kind of going up to the wall, and I just kind of had this feeling where I was like, okay, what is, what is this? Like, there's, there's a, something significant about this. And as I step back, this was probably one of the most impactful moments for me when I was there um, in Israel, where I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, this is no longer my temple. This is no longer where I'm choosing to dwell, but you are the temple. And this, that struck me so deeply, where I was like, this place where has been honored and like it's been known as the place where God's presence is, that people would travel miles and miles and miles to get to where the presence of God is and to, to, to get, yeah, it's like that weight of that. And then the Lord saying, that's not, no longer where I'm choosing to dwell. I'm choosing to dwell inside of you. And it, was so, it hit me so deeply. I just remember I was like, I was standing there, and my, our tour guide, like everybody was gathering back from, from the wall, and they're just like, wow, that was amazing. And I'm just like crying, because almost like it was like, I, it made me almost so sad that people were, it felt like, kind of worshiping a wall rather than worshiping the Lord, where people were coming and um, he's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. (laughs) And that kind of, uh, the Lord reminded me of that moment this past week. And that's kind of what inspired me today to talk about what we're going to talk about. And just a question for you. I don't know if you guys ever thought about this. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if Jesus was still in human form on this earth today? Have you ever thought about that? I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but in order to get to Israel, you got to jump on a plane that's like, you're on there for, oh man, like 12 hours to get to the other side of the world. Um, And I was thinking about, because imagine if Jesus was still here and doing ministry over in Israel, the other side of the world, and in order for us to see or an encounter or try and get close to him, we'd have to get on a plane or a train, or an automobile, or a boat to try and get over to the other side. Like, that's a, that's a far trek <laughs> to try and get over there, to try and get close to Jesus. And then once you get in the same vicinity, you know wherever Jesus went, he was surrounded by crowds. There was a large demand. People, like, they would hear about the miracles that Jesus did, and, like, literally thousands of people would follow him. And so I was just, I've, I've imagined that one time. I was like, Wow. Man, that would be really, really hard to have access to Jesus. Like, if I wanted to, like, meet Jesus, 
that would be extremely hard for me to like, I first I have to go to the other side of the world and then try and weed my way through thousands of people to try and get close to him. And I just felt like, I was reminded of something Jesus said. In John 16, 7 through 14, um, in, this t- in this moment, he was, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he was, foretell- he was hanging out with his, his disciples, and he was, like, telling them, hey, I'm going to be leaving soon. His disciples are confused, and they're like, no, where are you going, you know? And he's, he actually foretells him being crucified. But this is what he says. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the, of the coming judgment. Yep. And then it says that the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see no, me no more. Judgment will come because of the, rulers, the ruler of this world has already been judged. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Jesus was wise. <laughs> and when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And the Lord kind of reminded me of that when I think about Jesus, when I think about how hard it would be this day to, like, access Jesus. And he says, and he tells his disciples, guys, it's better for you that I go. Because if I go, then I can send the advocate, which means the Holy Spirit. It's another name for the Holy Spirit. And he says, even, um, he's, he calls the Holy Spirit even the spirit of truth. He's like, it's better for you that I go because then I can send my spirit. Even in John 14, 16, he, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. And then in 14, 26, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And I was like, wow, Jesus knew what was best for us. Like, he's like, don't worry, like, I'm going to go. But it's actually better for you that I leave because I'm going to send you my spirit. And then I was reminded of what Jesus, what happened when Jesus was on the cross. In Matthew 27, 50 through 51. And I hadn't noticed this at one, at this moment or before I was kind of studying for this. But Jesus said it was finished. But then Jesus shouted it out again and released his spirit. Jesus knew, like, the moment he, the, he, there was a release that would happen when he would die. There was a release of his spirit. And it says, at that moment, at that, <laughs> like, this is so cool. We're talking about the temple. We're talking about Jesus and his spirit and how he said it was best for him to leave. And it says, at that moment, the curtain that was nine centimeters thick in the veil, the separated from the holy of holies from from everybody else. <laughs> it says, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Like, at the moment Jesus, is, Jesus died, his spirit was released. And then the first thing that is listed that happens is the veil was torn in the temple. 
That's the first thing that was listed that happened. And just like, wow, God was doing something. Hmm. Thinking about the Holy of Holies where no one had access to. No one had access to where the presence of God would dwell. And now his spirits released. What was once separating us from his presence is now been ripped and torn. And that separation is no longer there. Like, can I get like a hallelujah? Like, that's like, wow. <laughs> and then we have um, not too much longer after Jesus' resurrection. <laughs> After Jesus' resurrection, and then there was the, Jesus had told his disciples to gather in an upper room and to wait for his spirit to come. And we see this in Acts chapter 2, where there was an outpouring of the spirit, where the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and followers, and they were filled with his spirit. Like, it was such a powerful moment. I don't know if you guys ever read Acts chapter 2 before, but it's wild. Because these disciples, they were all kind of, they were gathered in this upper room. Holy Spirit falls. They start speaking in other tongues. And it says, like, fire of tongues started forming, like, was above their head. And, like, it was, I would, I would love to be there. Just, like, see what that would have been like. And it said they started speaking in other languages that they were, they didn't know. And they didn't even realize, but, like, as they were speaking in other tongues... People from, there was, it was during a time where all these people were coming from all these other places for Passover. And they were hearing people speak, these men speak in their native language. And they're like, what is this? And they were speaking in other tongues. And I was like, the Holy Spirit filled them. And the gospel was being preached in other languages that they didn't even realize. And like the Holy Spirit came, filled them, and like the first thing that happens is they start proclaiming and uh, releasing the gospel. And people were getting saved and healed and set free in that moment. And I'm like, just, just seeing the power of someone filled with the Spirit. <laughs> filled, filled with the Spirit of Christ. And interestingly... Um, in Acts chapter 2, 17 and 18, it said, God, um, it, they were quoting one of the prophecies that they're like, this is actually fulfilling a prophecy, like this moment that's happening with God, the Holy Spirit following us. And it says, in the last days, I will pour, God says this, he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And, like, you just think of, like, that moment, like, when the Holy Spirit came and filled all of those people that were up in the upper room. And it's like, it was a fulfilling of the prophecy when God says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, we think about the significance of God wanting to fill a temple, like fill a vessel that he, there, he, he's been looking for a place to dwell and to have home. And at this point, Jesus said, it was like, it's better for you that I leave so I can release my spirit. The moment he dies, his spirit was released. And what was once separating us from God, the veil was torn. Then the spirits poured out. And there's a really cool... Um, I think it just, it really highlights how 
God chooses us to be his temple, his resting place, his place of dwelling. And um, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It's really interesting. There's, there's such a powerful picture and moment when we realize like, wow, my body is not my own anymore. Like, I don't belong to myself anymore, but actually I get to be a home of the Holy Spirit, that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, you think about the significance of the temple throughout history, and then he chooses us to be his temple. Like, that's not something to take lightly. <laughs> not just like, oh, yeah, Jesus lives inside of me, but it's like, no, he lives inside of you. Like, he dwells in you. He wants to choose to remain and rest and, and live inside of you, and then... I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 6, 16. It says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. I think along with a reminder of how we are temples of his spirit, the Lord even just there was kind of a breaking and like a conviction in my heart where God was like, he was pointing out like, hey, it says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? And I was like, wow, God, are there any place, is there any place in my heart or in my life that I am allowing an idol to stand in my heart in the temple where it actually belongs to you? Is there a place where I'm putting more attention and focus and in worshiping something else other than you. And as you can see, I don't know if you've read so much in Old Testament, when you see the issues with Israel was so much of them worshiping idols. Where God is really a jealous God. <laughs> he's like, he's jealous for our affection and for our attention. And, and he's like, it's like, why worship and give things to things that are dead when you could give it to are the living God? And I was also reminded, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story of Jesus when he was in the temple and he pulled out a whip. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesus, at one point, we see Jesus, like, for, like, the first time really kind of get angry. Like, and he was in the temple. And he comes into the temple and he comes across, like, the temple, which is supposed to be dedicated to God, dedicated to the worship of God, dedicated to coming to God, and it's full of people. It's like a marketplace. It's like a bunch of people have their shops set up. It's like, okay, you can come and buy your doves for sacrifice here or your goats or your lambs and, like, all these things. And he comes in and he's like, the people are exchanging money and, like, all these things and all these things that are not worship unto the Lord. And Jesus comes in and he says, it says that in John uh, 2, 13 through 22, it's the story about it. And he drives out the merchants and the money changers. And he makes a whip. And he's like, literally like, get these things out of here. And he says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And the Lord even just reminded of me that this week. It's like my heart. If my heart's a temple, my heart's supposed to be dedicated to the worship and lifting up the Lord. It's like, and as we were reading in Second Corinthians, like, 
what union can there be between God's temple and idols? There's, there should be no room for anything else. When God's the one that's filling our temple, there should be room for nothing else. And I felt like the Holy Spirit, like, challenged me, and I feel like him wanting to challenge us. What are you allowing in your temple that Jesus is wanting to clear out? Are there things that you're allowing idols and things of this world and things that are, whether that's, um, man, it could be so many things. There's so many idols nowadays. It could be anything from to money or to relationships or m- wanting man's approval and opinion. Or maybe it's wanting, um, yeah, to, uh, there's so many things listed that could be, you know, you, you pick whichever idol, you know. But it's like, am I going to allow these things to have place in my heart? Like, I I just want to even challenge you, like, even as you're here and just listening, just even ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there any place, like, is there any place in my heart that I've been allowing a temp, like, an idol to sit there or anything that's not from you? Is there anything that's sitting in your temple that shouldn't be? I think so many times people are worried about the do's or don'ts or, like, what am I supposed to do when I'm, like, when it comes to Christian, like, you know, following Jesus, they're like, oh, can I do this? Can I not do this? Like, you know, and they're like, is it allowed? Is it allowed? But I think it's more, it's really the heart of following Jesus. <laughs> wow. The heart of following Jesus is like, wow, Jesus, you're, I'm allowing, I'm your temple now. I'm the temple of your spirit. No, like, I'm so honored that you choose to live inside of me. Now, is there anything in my, in the temple? Is there anything in here that, does not, that shouldn't be here, that's getting in the way. And instead of, I think there's so many Christians out there, they're like, okay, what can I do or what can I not do and get away with, you know? Or what are things that it's like, okay, so, okay, I'm not allowed to steal or I can't lie, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, okay, like, it's more of a yes or no to-do list, but it's actually should really come from a place in a heart that says, Jesus, is there anything that's in my heart that shouldn't be there? And it's not of like a yes or no, this is what I'm allowed to do, this is what I'm not allowed to. This is actually comes from a heart of love. Like, Jesus, I am so honored that you choose to live and dwell inside of me. What it, is there anything in my life that's not allowing you to fully rule and reign in my heart? God's heart has always been to dwell with man. Even from the beginning, you see in the Garden of Eden, he would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. Like, like, even, like, Eden in the video was described as, like, it's similar to, um, to, like, the Holy of Holies. It was that place where God would come and dwell. But as man, we kind of continually have gotten in the way and allowed things to step in the way and separate us from God. Or allow things to get in the way of our affection of God. Um, I was reminded of um, this illustration. Um, You guys know when Jesus was baptized, it said that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down like in the form of a dove and rested upon him. And then also people heard audibly say, God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And... I'm reminded, I heard, um, I heard someone share about 
thinking about like the Holy Spirit, like even the Holy Spirit was saying it came down like almost like in the form of a dove and came and rested. And I don't know if you guys have ever been around birds, period, and specifically even doves, but they're very skittish, you know, like you make one move and they're like, like fly away, you know. Um, I tried to deal with Cindy's chickens, you know, recently, and they're very skittish too. So like (laughs) I was trying to corral them or and stuff. Anyways, that's another story. Um, But you think of a bird and how skittish, like, but you think of like the Holy Spirit coming and resting on Jesus like a dove. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if a bird, if a dove came and rested on your shoulder, like how would you walk? How would you live your life? Would you just be like going and doing everything like whatever, you know, just kind of however? Or would you be like every step you take would be conscious of the, that dove? Like every step you take would be like, okay, wow, okay. I want to make sure I don't scare this thing, this, this dove away. Like I'm going to be, every step I take is going to be conscious of it. And you think about the Holy Spirit in our lives and thinking about him making room and dwelling in us. It's like, okay. I want to be very conscious of the fact that I have, like, the Spirit of God living inside of me. And, you know, say, say there's a temptation to go this direction. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to even, I don't even want to do that because that, would, that wouldn't please the Holy Spirit. Like, oh, see, oh, you have this opportunity to go and lie about this. Oh, no, I don't even want to do that because that wouldn't please the Holy Spirit. That we live a life that it's so, we're so guided by the Holy Spirit that um, what his opinion matters way more than anybody else's. That his will matters way more than my own. What an honor to have him choose to come and dwell inside of us. And what a responsibility for us to just be like, okay. Like, I want to make sure I have room in my temple for him, you know? I actually um, recently, has anybody here gone deep sea diving before? Or, like, snorkeling or anything or dived? Yeah, I haven't. I think it would be fun. I've got snorkeling, which is the baby version, I guess, of diving. But, you know, maybe one day. Um, But I heard this illustration recently, and it really, like, I was like, oh, this is really kind of a cool way to think about this. So deep-sea divers, when they enter the water with tanks on their back, these tanks contain oxygen. The purpose of these tanks strapped to their backs is so that they can make it in a foreign world. Water is not their natural habitat. It is not the normal place for them to live. So in order for them to survive in this foreign world of water, they need to be connected to a life source from their real world. They need air from, the wor- from this world. In other words, if they get disconnected from the air from this world, they won't last long in that world. Their connectedness is the key to their survival because they weren't meant to live in that world. That life source in the life of a Christian is the Holy Spirit. God has given the Christian a life source because this world to the Christian is foreign territory. In order to live here and to make it, you need to be connected to a life source from your real world. If you get disconnected from the life source from your real world, you won't make it in this world as a Christ follower. You'll be gagging for air that this world doesn't offer because it is foreign territory. This life source comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
It's like, I just reminded what Jesus says. He's like, it is better for you that I leave because I get to send you my spirit. Like, we get to have his spirit dwell in us. And it's not just, he doesn't even just come on us just for our sake, which obviously we need him. We need his spirit. But he also comes and dwells on us and dwells with us for the sake of others. We aren't able to do what Jesus has called us without his spirit. We don't have the strength. We don't have the power. You know, in those moments where you're like, oh, wow, I am struggling. Then you just, like, call on the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, I need you in this moment. Show me, show me what are you saying. And it's like, I get to have a divine, like, connection with him. I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to go all the way, like, to the other side of the world to go and try and convene to Jesus. But I have him literally living in the inside of me. And I can just be like, okay, in that moment, like, so many moments, so many moments, I've been just like, wow, God, I need you. And just like internally, I would just be like, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. I need your strength. Like, I need your peace. Like, what are you, show me what you're doing. Like, let me see from your perspective. Because my perspective is very limited. Let me see things from yours. Like, this should be like our daily walk with the Holy Spirit. It's, yeah, man. Hmm. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He decides and he chooses to rest. He wants to rest and dwell inside of you. <laughs> Question is, is, have I provided space for him to inhabit? Have I made room for him? Is my life pleasing to the Holy Spirit? When I'm, when I'm walking, am I, am I conscious of what he's, what he's saying and what his will is and what his heart is? Or am I just going and doing whatever I feel like doing? And it might be really hurting the heart of the Holy Spirit. Do I even acknowledge his presence in my life? The other question is, do I rely on him? You have access to the heart of God. <laughs> He's conveniently decided to live inside of you. So it's, <laughs> and he actually chooses you to be a vessel, to be a container to hold him and that you get to carry him wherever you go. You are carriers of his presence. And that means when you walk into a place, the reason you can shift an atmosphere is because you're carrying him. I feel like the Holy Spirit is just, saying that he's like, I want to fill you. Like, allow me to fill you. Hmm. I think I'm just going to kind of close out with this. Just go ahead and just close your eyes. Yeah. Hmm. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We thank you that you've already been here. You've been moving and you've been dwelling and you've been speaking. Lord, let us be carriers of your presence. I thank you, Lord, <laughs> that everything we need is found in you and that you choose to live in us. Let us be so aware of your presence. Let us be such lovers of your presence, God, that we will be, we will be tuned, have our hearts and ears tuned into what you're saying. Yeah. I just believe, like, if you have yet to either invite the Holy Spirit to, to fill up, fill you up, 
Like in this time that we're in, we need him more than ever <laughs> just to walk in, just walk out life. And to do it, in order to do what we, he's asking us to do, it's like needing to, we need, we need the Holy Spirit. It's one of those things that also it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a daily thing. It's a daily and moment thing where I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need you in this moment. Like, I'm not, you know, it's a, it's a constant communi- communion with him. And I just feel there's an invitation for you to have a deeper communion and relationship with the Holy Spirit. That wherever you walk, that you'll be, you'll be like, okay, Holy Spirit, what's, what's going on? What are you, God, what are you, what's your spirit saying? Like, what do, where, are you, where are you asking me to go? What do you need me to say? So many moments, too, where I've been, where people have shared things with me, and I'm like, whoa, I don't even know how to respond to this. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to them? What do you want to say? They don't need to hear what I need to say. They need to hear what you need to say. And so, like, being a, being a vessel where you allow the Holy Spirit to move through you. Like, that's what the Lord's looking for, is looking for willing vessels that are willing to hold him, contain him, and then release him. Um, and I just, yeah, I just bless you. I bless you to be daughter, sons and daughters of the, God, of the living God, that you carry his spirit wherever you go. <laughs> wow, you carry his spirit with him wherever you go. <laughs> Yeah, Lord, we just invite your spirit just to come and have your way, have your way in our hearts and lives, that we would be fully obedient, God, to what you have to say, God. It's not our will, but your will be done. Yeah. Man. Mom, do you mind coming? I just, I want to kind of create some space just as we're um, ending today that if you need to come and just do some heart work, heart work with the Holy Spirit and be like, man, Holy Spirit, I need you. Like, I, I, I need you to fill my heart and I need you in my life. And then even if you're like, just take a moment and, and ask him, is there anything, Holy Spirit, that I've been allowing in my heart and in, my, in your temple that does not belong here? Is there anything... Like, I want this temple to be a place where you can dwell. So we'll just create some space for him to move. Just whenever um, you feel released, feel free. You can, um, you can head on your way. But I just really want to challenge you to, to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, am I, am I a temple that you want to live in, that you want to dwell in? And if not, what, what do I need to remove? What needs to be removed that's in the way? And if you have, um, and on your way out, if you'd like to give, we're, we're going to have our team back there to receive any offering. Um, you can give online or you can give um, here if you would like. But um, just let's just take some time. I'm just going to kind of close out, but... Take some time with the Holy Spirit.